0: Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to another episode of the Celtic Way Podcast. My name is Matt Kinzara. I'm the co-host and producer of this podcast. And steering the ship today, my good friend and the creative director for Celtic Way, Mr. Scott Jenkins
1: so today i really want to explore and it won't be the only time but i want to explore this whole thing about the celtic understanding of the anam kara which is a gaelic term which literally translates on soul Kara friend somebody gave me this little mug because anam kara and celtic stuff sell i don't know if you've ever seen this on amazon and stuff but it sells like crazy and so it says on the on the mug it says an anam kara A person with whom you can share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and dreams. Your soul friend. And I thought, yep, that's nice, and that's sort of the essence of it. And that's sort of also the American retail version of this whole thing. And now I want to take you to a little more mystical place. John O'Donohue, have you ever read any of his books?
0: I've never read any of his books, but I actually am working right now with a spiritual director that's working with a group of us and every maybe every other time we work together she is bringing up john o'donohue and quoting his books and telling us to pick it up and things like that so he's he's going to be on my reading list very very soon
1: oh boy get ready because it's 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 beautifully dense nobody uses words like this guy is he's such a oh well he was so This is a little thing I I have that he's written. He says, your Anamkara always accepts you as you truly are, holding you in beauty and light. In order to appreciate this relationship, you must first recognize your own inner light and beauty. This is not always easy to do. The Celts believe that forming an Anamkara friendship would help you to awaken your awareness of your own nature and experience the joys of others. You are joined in an ancient and eternal union with humanity that cuts across all barriers of time, convention, philosophy, and definition. When you are blessed with the nanamkara, the Irish believe, you have arrived at the most sacred of places, home.
0: That's beautiful, and that's much different than the Americanized on the coffee mug version of it.
1: <laughs> it sure is. So O'Donohue paints this enormous picture. St. Bridget used to say, if you don't have a soul friend, you are like a body without a head. And mm-hmm. so that she's saying something there that I think is so needed and so pertinent, so relevant for today. Because we live in a time where divisions are deepening then people are becoming more and more isolated. There's a great deal of painful loneliness now, and here we are surrounded with all this misery and all this difficulty in this pandemic. And I am being just really drawn into the whole soul friend thing again as something that needs to come back, needs to come forth, because it will be a healing balm to our deep spiritual aches and pains today but i think it's going to be part of the reset at least it holds a great deal of potential and promise for christians when we can more and more and more come out of this isolation and come out of this pandemic people are already asking me when can we come back to church and i want to just really dialogue with them and say how shall we be the church when we come back? Because I think the pandemic really is pushing the pause button on us and, and giving us some space to ask some very, very important questions. And to have a soul friend is just one of these answers to the questions of how shall we come back? How shall we live our faith when things begin to open up? So exploring this, for me, is about fulfilling the calling to become like Christ. For me, that's sort of the Christian journey. How can we become more loving towards ourselves, towards each other? How can we really love nature and reflect the light of Christ in the world? The thing that bothers me about the mug is it all seems so happy and upbeat. If that's the Anamkara, then all our radical individualization is safe. (laughs) Right? Because, hey, you know, if I just know you and say, how do you think I'm doing? And you're going to tell me all the good things about me and how I'm doing. That's nice. Or if I don't even have those kind of conversations with somebody, and I want to just think about praying by myself, which I do, I meditate by myself, and I think to myself, how am I doing in my spiritual walk? Well, I have had a good soul friend for 25 years. I'm going to get to him in a minute. But if I just do this journey by myself, the God that I think I'm seeking begins to look more and more like me, (laughs) you know? (laughs) When do I pray by myself and God actually has a chance to get through and give me an answer that I really don't want to hear, right? If I don't want to hear it, I can just say, no, that's gas. That's not God, right? So I'm just going to tune that out. But the gift of the soul friend really is, and I think O'Donohue's right, the place to begin. The soul friend helps us see our own beauty and our own light. That has to be the beginning. And that's not fluff. It takes an awful lot to embrace our own light, living in this culture that is always results-oriented, right? You don't get something for nothing, and so on and so forth. But to see the light that's given to us, this this light, this image of God we talk about as being born with, as a gift. we have a responsibility to that gift. But to begin to accept the acceptance that is given to us by God, I really believe is the starting point. That's our foundation, and now we can proceed.
0: Yeah, and I would say, too, you know, that that would make sense that that's part of what a soul friend is for is because of everything that goes on constantly in the world, things do get fuzzy. And so to have that person in your life that can draw truly who you are, and then probably equally as important to let you know when they see you being in spaces that they know you not truly to be as well, which I've found in my life to be really almost more important than the the former
1: what is it the first half of life we're striving so hard to have all these successes and build our containers and know and learn who we are right you know and then the second half of life the most treasured experiences are our failures and we can look and see and grow from this and we don't get so defensive but i have found that this friend that i meet regularly with now for over 25 years our meeting. Happened at church when I was a pastor of a little independent church. We actually met in a storefront. We weren't the wealthiest congregation in the world and uh, we didn't meet in the, the best neighborhood and we didn't have all the glitz and stuff. Uh. But this guy and his wife came faithfully every week and he wore a suit and a tie all the time to this little storefront where there was a fair amount of you know lower class poor people middle class and and there was dig my friend suit and a tie every week and then one day he came to me and he said we should should share the journey together we should meet once a week and i thought no (laughs) we're so different i don't even know what you're doing at this church dude let alone you don't want to meet every week with the pastor you know so we did. Back then the church was so small and I had time on my hands and I thought that maybe this will be good for him. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> I appreciate your honesty there. I was all focused on the his well-being, of course.
1: Yeah, got to help, right? <laughs> Two on the Enneagram, that's what you do. And so, boy, time went. And it's important to have time with somebody you're going to call your soul friend. because no matter how different or how alike they are, you really have to enter into some deep waters of trust. You just don't gain that quickly. You're talking about sharing your journey together, sharing your life together. Over a period of time, you have to establish this bedrock so the river of the spirit can flow and it really can flow naturally and genuinely. So that when you get together and you do your review of life how was your last two weeks over time gradually more and more you become a little more transparent a little more transparent and then as christine walters painter says the the real key to establishing an anamkara relationship is risk and i would just add to that not just risk by itself but risk that is embedded in the soil of an earned trust and a commitment to be there no matter what and a commitment if you if you can if you're going to live in the same neighborhood to be there over the course of a long period of time i'll be 69 in june he'll be 79 this year so the last 25 years we've walked together and you don't just blurt out all the stories of your life that just comes together you know, over time and and you began to appreciate that everybody's journey is filled with humanity and divinity. It's such a great gift of relationship because I, I know that the times when I want to fall into my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my ego-centered way of being. I have somebody sitting right across from me in a chair looking at me in the face and speaking words of truth words of love and the compassion that comes forth and the times where maybe something he says actually i feel pain from and i feel maybe a little embarrassment some shame but i know you see i know now after all these years underneath that he's looking out for my good my common good this was part of the celtic tradition This is part, I I think, of Jesus saying, go make disciples.
0: Yeah. What would you say, because we do live in such an individualistic society, that these types of friendships really aren't encouraged as a whole in America or even in churches, what would you say to somebody who's listening to this podcast who listens to you talk and deeply wishes they had an Autumn Cara friendship but has no clue... How to even start the process of finding that person?
1: And you know what? This is the number one question. No matter where I do these classes, these workshops and stuff, go online, type in, where do I find my Anamkara? You know, (laughs) please send me an Anamkara. Uh, They're not on Amazon? Yeah. (laughs) You you can type in Anamkara on Amazon and you're going to get John O'Donohue's book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or a coffee cup.
1: (laughs) I think it's just such a, a thing to remember This is what I tell people to go for a walk in nature. And as you do, take a good look at what's provided for us. Everything you and I need is here. Air, water, ground, food, everything is here. It's provided for us. And how we use it is very important. I understand that. So the first thing to realize is the first anamkara that's given to us is our natural surroundings where God's presence and and life is there telling us that there is diversity and provision here for everyone. That's the given. Then we come back and we sit and then we just sit in silence for a while and then it's time to let our heart's desires to be known. I really need an anamkara, God. I need somebody who will walk the path with me that is trustworthy. Don't mention this to Susie. I'm not sure there was one person out there for you. And if you didn't get that person, you got the wrong one. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: I do know what you're saying. Yes, I would agree with you. Okay, quietly. And um, (laughs) She's not a big podcast listener. It's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, and then, because I think then that once we pray that prayer every day, then our awareness becomes heightened. Now, all of us move in some kind of social circle, I believe. I could be wrong. I think you'd have to be a hermit or something, but I think most of us move in a social circle. And if we really want to have an anamkara, then sometimes we have to engage our soul, our brain, our self, and say, in my circle of friends, Somebody who's spiritual, somebody who, like in my case, would be a Christian person. Maybe I could just take them out for a coffee or a Guinness, or you know, and just say, sit down and and just have an honest conversation. You know, Matt, I've been reading John O'Donohue's book, The kara and also have been reading a trusted guide for today, The Celtic Soul Friend by uh, Edward Selner, and I, I think that's what you do if i lived in eau claire I'd say let's go grab a beer there's something i want to talk to you about it's nothing bad it's nothing urgent Uh, and then i would just explain to you this is what the anamkara does you have regular meetings you hold on to those keeping those meetings above everything else and i say that you know realizing that families have crises you know cars break down but i mean unless it's really extraordinary circumstances you're going to hold on to that meeting. It's like Tom Everly said, you know, it's like contemplation works if you do it regularly. And that's what the Celtic monastic tradition is all about. Meeting with the Anamkara has to be regular. It has to be a commitment. It's in that furnace of meetings that you really, you pray together, you you agree to read something together, talk about it, but you always provide a space in there to talk about each other's life. Because the text, whether it's the scripture or a spiritual book, that's something you read and you learn how to interpret together. But your lives are a living text that you're learning to read together and interpret and discern what's going on. And you will learn about how God works in my life, and I will learn about how God communicates in your life and we'll learn to recognize the synchronistic events in each other's lives and and in the two of us together. And so there, there is this really growing together, and it's growing together with God, and it bears all kinds of fruits. And in the Christian journey, we have no accountability. I mean, you've been Catholic, and I've been Catholic, and all my Protestant friends are just creeped out by this whole one-on-one confessional booth thing. You know, it's like God, why would you do that? You know. uh, Well, yeah. The other side of that question is, what happens to you when you never do that? Somebody once in a in a class I was giving at the break said, "Oh, you had to drop the a word, didn't you?" accountability. I mean, really. It's just going to church, man. You know, we go to church and we sing and we hear the sermon and stuff. But now you're talking about transformation. You're talking about responsibility and service. You're talking about accountability for my life. I don't know if I want that, you know he didn't come back for the second half of the class. He's like, hell no, I don't really want to do this.
0: I remember those days, first of all, of confessional, and as scary as it was, there was also this moment that you had, because I went to Catholic school, and so I remember we would do it as as a school, so my classmates would be around us, and we would all be in the sanctuary and one by one going to the confessional. And so the ability to actually have a little bit of space to think about what you were going to say or what you needed to say was actually something that I always thought was was a pretty healthy practice. It wasn't something that was as scary as it was just contemplative, I guess. It's not a word I would have put on it at the time. But going back to finding that autumn cara but i would think in my own life the first thing that i would do is think about the close friendships that i currently have and then consider redefining them or maybe even defining them for the first time as something deeper than just hanging out once in a while or spending time together yeah
1: and when i encourage especially men to do that they'll call me or they'll say hey we want to take you out to lunch who's we well this guy that i'm doing autumn Kara with So we'll go out to lunch, you know, and they tell me, yeah, gosh, you know, when so-and-so came and approached me with this, I was like, you know, it was like I was really wanting this and I didn't even know it. And now we're kind of fledgling. We're just starting. Can you give us any tips, any guidance, you know? So the first class was about Anamkara. The second one that I do is let's talk about your Anamkara relationship and what you're doing. And it's so good because people will stand up and say, this is the part that i don't get out of church i love my church i love to sing i love to say the eucharist i love the liturgy the liturgical year but I, I really did want something more and had no idea how to get it and then one guy would say to me you know the best person all the bible i said no tell me <laughs> like what is this you know and he goes jesus always sent people out two by two And all this time, I thought it was okay if I went out on my own, just alone. And people send me emails and say, my spiritual life has grown more in the last year than it has all the years before. And I still go to church. I love my church. But this relationship is the other piece that I needed to have.
0: I love that. The older I get, the more... I realize that the space I really need that sort of friendship in is the times of suffering. The times of joy, it's easy to find people that want to celebrate with you and we throw big parties around, graduations and weddings and all those kinds of things. But when you suffer, our culture has an expectation a little bit that you do that on your own. When I find as somebody that used to be quite an introvert, still is on some level, that those are the spaces that even though maybe my nature wants to be alone, that's when I realized the most that I need to not be alone. And that's when I've found my friendships to be really important in this last, I'll say, five years of my life.
1: The good thing about the autumn car relationship when it was started in our lives was, I would just say it was kind of one of these ordinary times it wasn't like oh boy we got a lot to celebrate Let, you know no wasn't there and neither one of us at the mo- at that time had any suffering great suffering going on and we probably had a good two and a half years to really build this relationship before uh, something happened in their family's life that was pretty pretty big you know mm-hmm. and now after 25 years you know we both have things that were pretty tough to get through and we look at each other and say, thanks for being there. I wasn't walking alone. But I think that's how you begin, because I think we all have friends, And but it's risky. I mean, men, you know, Matt, dude, really? Want to go to the ball game? Uh, Want to come over and watch football? Uh, go out and have beer with boys? I think all that's great. Let's do that. But I want to tap into one of my friends who who's going to church and has some sense of spirituality. And basically what you're doing is saying, dude, you want to notch up your game a little bit here and let's dive a little deeper.
0: Yeah, we do live in this culture where friendship for the sake of fun, my friends call it just getting together and talking stupid. When you just, you know, you grab a beer and you just talk about whatever's on the top of your head. But then when you really get a chance to sit down It's almost the difference between going to a bar or sitting around a campfire. You know, you go to a bar and you're going to talk stupid. You go around a campfire and you may actually talk about things that matter.
1: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because the campfire is fire. And you know, the old Celtic saying, everything fire touches, it changes. It transforms it. In the Celtic elements, this sidebar, there's earth, water and air. And then somebody in the class will go, and fire. And I'm like, no, no, there's just these three elements, earth, water and air. And they're like, well, what about fire? Let's see, fire is what's hidden in each of the elements. And that's how the, in the Celtic myth, this is how the elements came to be. Fire touched and changed and made all this stuff. And I like it because it reminds me of the day of Pentecost. The disciples have these tongues of fire. I think right there the church should get the clue that our journey is one of fire. It's one of sitting around the campfire. It's one of transformation. You can't pull that off alone. It just isn't going to happen.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Celtic Way podcast. New episodes come out on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, give it an honest rating, and a review. This is the best way to get the podcast in front of as many people as possible. Visit our website at CelticWay.org and subscribe to our updates. While you're there please consider becoming a sustainable donor so that the message of Celtic Way can continue to influence the world today. Also, like us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado.